Marketing Espresso, making marketing as enjoyable, energizing, and digestible as your morning coffee. Hello, hello. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Marketing Espresso. As always, so grateful you've tuned into this podcast. I know that there are so many out there, so I do genuinely appreciate that you're choosing this one. As always, leave me a review if you're loving it or reach out, say hi, tell me what you're loving or tell me some topics you want me to cover. Now, it is a Tuesday, so of course I have a guest for you today. I'm really excited for today's guest, me and her. We This was so many weeks slash maybe even months in the making because we've just not been able to tee up a time, uh, but we get along incredibly well. And I didn't realize she's also a triathlete and has offered to lend me her bike, which is terrifying because that means I might actually have to do a half iron man now, guys. Eek. Anyway, I'm talking about Tara Ladd. So Tara Ladd is an ADHD-powered visual brand strategist and the driving force behind your one and only, a strategic brand and design studio. With over 16 years of experience in the industry, she's worked with top player brands like Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Telstra, and Bupa. She's a mum of two boys, and she's deeply committed to challenging societal norms and empowering working women and mums. Her passion for creating change is reflected across her channels, including her podcast, Brand and Butter, where she delivers a refreshingly honest, no BS take on the power of branding and the impact of design on our thinking behavior. I hope that you love this episode. I absolutely loved recording it. And you can almost guarantee that Tara will be visiting us again for another episode. I hope you love it. Reach out, say hi. Tara, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's been a while in the making. A little bit. I mean, some uh, email ping pong, but we got there in the end. <laughs> we got there. Now we're here. We've just been having a great old yarn, which is awesome. Always love yep. doing <laughs> And we got into like, we actually didn't know what topics we we're going to talk about, but I feel like our rantings before hitting record kind of got us there pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Very <laughs> much so. Yep. So today you're going to talk to us about design psychology. Mm. which everyone that listens knows I'm a massive psych nerd. Like, I just love it. I love the way the brain works, but so do you, which is so exciting. Mm-hmm. Love the way the brain works. I think that there are so many things that we all need to know, but there is so, that's the thing. There's so many subjects, so many things we can talk about and everyone can't be an expert in everything. So take us on a journey of the psychology of design. Yeah, cool. All right. So <laughs> I think we're really just discussing and for those that obviously weren't part of that discussion, which is everyone but us, is we were talking about how we have tools in design. Obviously, Canva is a great tool for design. However, Canva doesn't give you a thought process of design. So I'll take you to the beginning. When we're thinking about creating any form of communication, be that be, I don't know, campaign or a complete visual identity, we need to kind of have, there's a brief, right? And there's an objective to that brief and whether that's a whole rollout of how you want a first image to look like or whether that's just capturing someone's attention to be memorable so that people retain information, you have to think of specific things and ways to do things, otherwise known as tactics. (laughs) We basically talk about design psychology in a way, dumbing it down because, I mean, it sounds all big and fancy and elaborate, but really it just comes down to understanding how things work and why things work the way that they work. And if you've got, let's start with fonts, for instance, typography is the overarching word, but you know, when we're talking about a font, which is an individual weight, so, you know, Helvetica regular is a font, typeface is the family. Understanding how that works in tone is so important. And if you're not understanding who your audience is and who you're trying to attract, then you could be completely botching your font choice. And When you know the audience that you're speaking to and the objective that you want to get out of that, 
then you're able to really simplify the style of the font. And then you can dive into like all of the nuances, like is the font too sharp? Are the edges rounded? If you've got something that's going out to be, you know, big and impacting, is it bold or is it thin? You know, when you see a brand straight off the bat without even needing to understand what they're about, the typography in itself, alongside all the other elements of design, which we'll talk to in a second, will give you an indication of what you can expect, what that brand's tone is, what that brand's personality is. But when someone actually reads a message and it doesn't coincide with the way that the typography is being chosen, there's a disjoint and people go, oh, hang on a second, this doesn't make sense. And before you already know, someone's already made an impression or, an, or a judgment on how that doesn't work. And we find this quite a lot when people are, you know, it's not just about choosing a font that you like, it's about choosing the font that works. And that's really important. So if you're a, you know, if you're an elegant brand, you sell jewelry, you're quite high luxury, you're not going to use a font that's bold and in caps and very like in you. It's just not going to give I you the caps lock. Can we just, oh, I, I, I like it in some instances. It depends. But like I said, it depends on what the brand is, right? Yeah. It's a choice that you actually strategically make in order to know what, what you want the reception to be. And that's the same thing for colour, aligning the right colours and how colour emits emotion. And you might show a colour to someone and go, you know, I do it all the time, it's great. You put something up in stories and be like, which colour do you like? And then everyone chooses a colour and I did it the other week and I said, I never asked you, like I never said what it was for. Everyone <laughs> just chose a colour. And they were like, oh, yeah. And like everyone wrote back that replied. I was like, I didn't think about that. I'm like, what's it in context to? Because color choice will then indicate what it's for. Are you designing for kids? Are you designing for parents? Are you designing for elderly, like corporates or, you know, a young urban teenage group? Like it, it depends who you're designing for because that color will actually emote some kind of connotation. That I also heard that like depending on where you're brought up in the world depends on your ideas of colour too. So, Absolutely. Yeah, Southern Hemisphere is very, very different to Northern because we're hot all the time. So like if you live in somewhere like Australia, you're going to really respond well to cooling colours because we, we, we like are a hot country, even though obviously we're in winter and whatever. But then they say in Europe, because they get snow and all of that, they respond really well to like reds and like really warming colours. Super interesting you said that, right? Because that, without you knowing any context to what colours I asked for, I said, do you prefer red or blue? Mm. And there was a lot of people that replied to that and 97% said blue. Yeah, I would say blue. Yeah, straight Yeah. Blue. Well, I went red. I'm just, that's just, I don't know why. I just like, I'm. Um, yeah, big in personality alignment. I don't know. But yeah, it was, I was like, wow, okay, cool. So, because really, even like totally off topic a bit here, but I recently bought a new tri suit from Catfish Designs, right? Yeah, cool. And I bought it within three months of having been to WA. And I actually bought it from the lady that runs Catfish, absolute legend. If you ever are looking for tri gear, whatever, I'm going to give them a shout out. <laughs> and any exercise gear that Australian owned, she's an absolute legend. She's on the Northern Beaches of Sydney. Shout out to her. So I went up to her and I was like, Oh yeah, looking for a new tri suit. And I straight away went for this one, tried it on. It just, it just was me, right? And it, but it was all these reds and blues. And she goes, yeah, yeah, it's actually because of it. We, we took the design of what we saw the coastline of Bustleton, like WA. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And that's why I loved it so much because I just had this awesome experience in WA 
And like without even consciously knowing I was doing it, I was picking something that was taking me back to that experience because mm-hmm. purple is my favorite color and there was a purple tri-suit and I didn't take it. Isn't it funny? Mm, yeah. It's, yeah. There, I think that this is, and this is where we get all sciencey, right? Like I think the biggest thing with our decisions that we make is that we actually, and for those that don't know, I'm not just spitting out bullshit here. I have done some stuff in consumer psych. So she knows what she's talking about. I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's basically our internal motivators will drive us towards decisions that we literally don't even realize that we're making. And that's exactly right. Like, and that's why you can never judge someone. And then they say like, I really love this song. And it's like, you might go, oh, this song's shit. Like, but it's like, but that song takes them back to, I don't know, sharing a moment with their friends when they were teenagers on a beach that made them feel really good and wholesome. Like, you know, and you know what you- I would love to do with music. This is such a side note, but I would love to play a baby that's in like in the womb. Yeah, the yeah. Same song every day. Yeah. And then see as a five year old if they love that song. And then see as a teenager if they- and I reckon you'd find they probably would. Well, I reckon you would as well. It's been programmed. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like we think that we are actually thinking for ourselves when really it's just where we are just a huge collection of data and stimuli from what <laughs> we've, you know, it's like, it's huge. And we're always, and you know what they say, like, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And mm. people are always going to remember how you feel. And if you can make someone feel something through a visual, which might you I say can. is like, yeah, you absolutely can. Yeah, you absolutely can. Like I've seen things before that have made me feel plenty of emotions. You know, like you want to talk about emotive design, you just have to look at some of the charity organizations out there. Huge. Yeah. Huge. And then you can, okay, tapping into that right there is image selection. Mm. You know, if you're using the wrong image, you will not emote the emotion. Like it's like something like showing a human face in campaign materials, like you get 80% more recognition. So I say this to my clients all the time, like, why are you hiding your face? Mm -hmm. Stop it. People want to see your team. They want to see you. Like there's such, because at the end of the day, people buy from people. Absolutely. And we want to feel like we have a deep connection with the people we're buying off. Like I've just spoken about catfish. My memory of catfish is how absolutely adorable the owners are. Yeah. Like, and I will never forget that experience. If I'd bought them offline and I hadn't known who she was and seen her as the face of that brand, I probably wouldn't feel so obliged to be like, everyone I meet, buy catfish, buy catfish. Totally. And you obviously, exactly, you you are such an ambassador for, for them yeah. now, which is like, yeah. I mean, it's, no. <laughs> exactly. And I think that it's, it's always like those little things that matter. But yeah, using imagery, like if you're going to talk about like psychology in regards to imagery, like we we spoke about this before, but placement of where you put things and when where people are looking and the eye gaze, are they looking towards a product? Are they looking towards, you know, a specific piece of copy that you're wanting them to see? Color then obviously highlights things and brings it out. If you've got a black and white image and you've got like a pop of color, obviously that's where they're going to look. I said in my previous podcast last week that, you know, if you've, how you design something just because it's typographic, like we work really closely with copywriters for good reason, because copywriters develop the messaging structure and messaging is hugely important. What you say is really important and design basically enhances that messaging structure. The two aren't working together. It's not going to work. It should be cohesion. It's, it's It's a full circle communication. And what happens is when you get, you know, look at go-to skincare, for instance. Love um, that product. 
Yeah, everyone does because their design of their wording is so well done. Mm. So they've created this amazing tone of voice that people just absolutely love and relate to, but they've kept, this is where it's smart, is they haven't overcomplicated the design. The design is minimal, exactly. And I love minimal design, to be honest. And the thing that I was going to say back on the font thing, their Mm -hmm. font's playful. Yes. Mm. However, have you noticed they've changed it recently? Have they? Yes. I noticed that the first thing I saw and I was like, oh, it doesn't work as well. Oh, I'm going to have to. See. You're going to have to go and have a look. Because mm. I bought, I haven't bought, I buy Face Hero. Yeah. That's why I look so young. <laughs> so fresh. <laughs> yeah, someone the other day asked me, I was, I've just joined a running club and the girls that are in it are all young and they were standing there going, oh, it's so hard to find like a running club where everyone isn't over 30. Well, <laughs> How old do you guys think I am? And they're like, oh, like maybe 25. And I was like, laughing. I am taking that to the bank. But anyway, that's such a side note. It's just go to. That's all I use. So there you go. And I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't bought Face Hero for like a couple of weeks now. So it's interesting because, it. yeah, so I go in because I obviously ref- reference them quite a bit. Yeah. It's a handy hand cream right here, actually. Here's what I prepared earlier. Here's what I prepared. <laughs> interesting. Mm. So it's like a, I think it's like a serif font now, which is bizarre because the whole comical vibe of the, yeah, it matched the tone. And I don't know whether if that's because they've been bought out yeah, or, the you know, whether they've, yeah, whether there's. Got, doesn't she still have 51% of the. People? She does. But I mean, if you're trying to impress stakeholders, right? Like at what point does the yeah. decision, this is where we only want to kind of work with the business owner still at the realm at the realm, at the helm, like dro- diving down a whole different pathway. But yeah, so it's like, because they, it, there's an emotional connection there, right? Like the business owner and the founder will always have that emotional connection to the brand, to the vision, to the passion, everything that's around it. And it's, it's honestly why we love to do what we do. We started to kind of move away from that. And I realized that I don't like this. And we yeah. went back. So, yeah. So, and then we changed our whole positioning because of that. So, yeah. So, it's- fonts say a lot because if you've got like, you know, like that, for instance, is is a very simplistic brand or a minimalist brand because the wording is just so well done that you want to bring emphasis to the words. Yeah. So, smart design doesn't overcomplicate something. Smart design emphasizes whatever oh, it is that you're trying yeah, to do. And I feel like there's a lot of, I think, tell me if I'm wrong. No, tell I me, think- go. <laughs> I think because in the world we have this whole everyone's stripping back to simplicity, right? And I think smart brands are actually riding that wave because they're realizing humans are trying to uncomplicate their lives because we went through two years where we had nothing to do but overthink. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we all overthink to the point where like, I own too much shit. I want a tiny house. I like, you know, I want to simplify my life. I've been stressed and finally I'm experiencing no stress. How do I bring that? And I think good brands are probably jumping on that wave of simplicity, minimalist. And I, cause I love that design and I'm very attracted to brands that are like that because I'm a minimalist. So if I think a brand and also, cause we have all these ethical brands coming out now, there's a whole, I'm sure there's probably a movement in design right now. There is definite movements in design. Yep. There is. And it's, 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 there's a whole, the whole trend at the moment. And I don't know if anyone's noticed, you would have seen it, right? We went through that whole trend of the hipster logos, the circles with the X's in the middle with the stupid little icons and the back, like that was just, I kept saying, don't use that. It's a trend gone. It's, you know, 
Then we had the whole, you know, pink and black with the script font that everyone was using. Like there was that. And then now we're hitting like we had hit 70s. We hit those deep tones. We're kind of still coming. That's still trending a little bit, but it's on the way out. So those really deep 70 mustards, deep reds, like that really deep kind of palette that was very much in. Arches. Oh my God, if I say another arch. Arches are everywhere. And also nostalgia is very big at the moment. Nostalgia is huge. And I think that's because there's been such a disjoint where millennials should be in life right now that they're just bringing that to the surface and they're kind of in those leadership positions, right? So it's a strong strong dominant trend. But And this is where society and life kind of come into play with how trends work and how things are, you know, roll out. But when you've got something like a bigger brand is minimalizing things, it's because, and here we're bringing the science back into it, is it's the same in marketing. You need a single-minded proposition. The same thing works with your design. If there are too many things to look at, your brain's just going to skim right over it and move on. So the point is to make things so clear and succinct that your brain sees what it should be taking away from it so that it can retain the information that you're trying to get it to retain. Yeah. Otherwise, there's it's fighting the logo, it's fighting the image, it's fighting that. However, there's good placement works here. You can still be really minimalist and use all these things. But if you've got all these elements of design, you can make things look really nice on first glance. But if people can't decipher the image or, or the you know the message that you're trying to convey from it, the design's broken. Yeah, because I find now my brain struggles. Like as in, because I'm someone that like I was only bitching and whinging this morning to someone about how little energy I have for things. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, because my life is so, I'm, I'm making so many decisions daily. I'm whatever I'm doing. Like my my brain struggles if something's not simple, and not because I'm an idiot, but because I'm fried. All well, every, everyone's brains are fried, Correct. right? Because we yeah. see how many, I think it used to be, what, 10,000 ads a day? Oh, it'd be more than that now. I think now it's like nearly 100,000 or some shit. Like it's yep. crazy. Yep. And so it's okay to feel like your brain is fried because it probably is. And I've become very aware that mine's fried because we were talking about mental health. And I like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I'm very aware now of how to manage that shit. So I'm like, yeah, if I, if I, I'm scrolling my Insta feed and something looks complicated. Let me tell you, I am not fucking reading it. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. And and what you just said then ties right back into a lot of things. It's actually been proven, which my, my last email went out last week, that since 2000, the human brain has dropped from 12 seconds of attention down mm-hmm. to seven. It's actually one second less than a goldfish. So if someone says you've got a memory like a goldfish, you're actually it's actually a compliment now. And that's also, we also have to think about, like, I know a lot of the older generation whinge about the younger generation just not being, like, don't have attention or anything, but we need to understand the evolutional change, right? Like, when boomer category would, would read full books, right, their attention's there. They they take in information from written word, whereas, you know, as we've gone through the time, we've gone from having, like, broken down blog posts into, you know, just we just read titles to see if we want to read something, and now we're in video format, so we're down even further. So. It's about communicating, again, it's about communicating messages and designs that are going to appeal to the right demographic in a way that they're going to contain the information, like retain it. Yeah, amazing. I mean, we could talk about this all Oh, massively, day. yeah. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> as a takeaway, I want to create a show-stopping design. Yep. What do I need? Well, you need a bunch of things, right? So you need to know <laughs> who, you t- who your target is. You need to know what platform you're on. Yeah. You need to know what the objective is of the ad or whatever piece of communication you've got going out. Yeah. If you want to make more sales, you know, what's the what's the messaging? So then the messaging needs to coincide and then you need to figure out how you're going to 
format so that you've got, this is what it is. This is a, a basically a secondary message to it. This is how you contact us and this is who we are. Like you need to have all of those things on there. You know, people, if they've got three seconds to take something away, it needs to be able to grab someone's attention. And what can you do to do that? It's usually some big color. And now, we're, you know, if, you, if it's a social media feed, if you're on there, there is so much moving content. It might be that you just put something really simple, like one color, one full color with one line of text on the page. Read me. Read me. Yeah. <laughs> something as simple as that where they go, oh, and it yeah. sparks curiosity, right? Which is why hooks are coming in. Yeah. And I think break, break, like this is the reason I actually chose my brand color, to be honest. Yes, I love purple but everyone was doing pastels. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck pastels. I'm too bold a personality to have a pastel. So I brought into a, a color that I was like, that's going to be show-stopping because everyone yes. else is doing the same color palettes, essentially. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yep. So sometimes, yep. I mean, I think there's an element there, and tell me if I'm wrong, you can bring in personal choice, but you also have to still remember why you're doing it. You absolutely can bring in personal choice, but the, I think that if you're a business that has multiple people that are part, so if you're a higher end business that's obviously got like, you know, more medium enterprise kind of have more people sitting at the table, it needs to be a collective that kind of sit down and have that discussion about what the colors mean and how you can roll those out. If it's a personal brand, absolutely go nuts on your own stuff. But the point is you also are using these colors to attract people yeah, in. 100%. I mean, you're not going to go, I mean, it'd be ballsy, but you're not going to go and paint a mechanic hot pink, are you? So I worked for a hire company I'd, once that was hot pink, and let me uh-huh. tell you, everyone fucking knew them. Funny, funny you say that because I've used, I've we've done this whole pink thing and brought it into a strategy for a, for a company that we're we're branding at the moment. So really interesting to see how this goes out. But you say that because yes, there was a concrete truck that that was a company around here that was painted like hot, like pastel pink. And we'd be like, oh, there's a there's a concrete truck, yeah. like yeah. So yeah, there is a way that it, it can do that, but also we've got to be really careful as well because stereotypes within industries can actually alienate you if you use the wrong color choice. For instance, if you're in medical and you use like bright yellow and black, it's going to give off the wrong connotations, right? Look, you just snubbed yeah. your face. You didn't I even realize like, you did it, right? I hate yellow. Yes. I well, hate yellow. But even then, like you're, you just reacted the way that exactly. Yeah. So it's funny. We unintentionally judge things without even like, realizing. I feel like yellow and black just doesn't say safe to me. And if I'm having someone cut me open, they'd better be safe. Correct. <laughs> Correct. You want cleanliness and clinical and white and you're fresh. It's exactly right. So you've got to be careful. You can get disruptive with colors, but you need to make sure that they have a good strategy and there's a way you can bring it in that still stay within the constraints. Or even with my purple, I knew I wanted to work. I knew I wanted to be taken very seriously and be trusted. So trust is a big thing for me because I think if you're handing over your marketing to someone, you need to trust them. Absolutely. And I knew that purple was a very trusting color. It is. Mm, So trustworthy. I I dig it. (laughs) Well, I, we could talk for days we could. on this. Let's not because we'll just do more episodes. Right? <laughs> yeah, we will. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me, Tara. Where oh, can people find you? Me. You can find me on LinkedIn at Tara Joy Lad is my, is my name. You can find us at your one and only underscore AU or at on Instagram or I am Tara Lad on Instagram. And au. I'll pop all them in the show notes. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much. Hi, Beck here, just dropping in to say that if you are struggling with your marketing planning, I have got the solution just for you. 
I have recently launched my marketing planner to the world and I am offering it to you at a 5% discount for listening to the potty. You can see what's in the planner and how it's going to change your life simply by visiting my website, beckchapel.com.au and heading to the resources section. When you're ready to check out, chuck in potty VIP and you'll get your 5% discount. Thanks for listening and I hope that it changes your life.